Psalm 139, 7 through 10. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, and your right hand will hold me fast. This is not just personal of what we are preaching about in the Lord's Prayer. And it is. But it is cosmic. (laughs) No matter how far we go, no matter how we pray this prayer, one thing we need to be reminded of is, is the enormity of God. The personal But the one who cast all this into motion, however that works. (laughs) Our Father who art in heaven. I think the translation, our Father who art in the heavens. Who is also setting on, as Paul writes, there's a first, second, and third heaven. You can read about it, you can look it up. N.T. Wright says, this God is both ultimately present within the world and utterly beyond it, beyond other and different from it. He is present to celebrate with his people and grieve with them, to give them his rich blessings and to rescue them from all ills because he is also sovereign over heaven and earth and sea and dry land, all the powers of this world and even over the urgings of the human heart. The Lord's Prayer is an invitation to know this God and to share in His innermost life. I've asked this question over the years. If there was such a thing as an awe meter, E-meter, pertaining to God, What would your meter be if 10 is fully blown away by the enormity and also the personal part of who God is? The majesty and his glory, you're just like, wow, okay, every day, this is so present in my life, I can almost touch it, I can almost taste it, I can almost, because God is so real and I get it. Every time I look at a little baby and I see their hands work, and every time I, not, not maybe not every time, but they're on a regular basis, I go, man, I didn't really have to think about my thumb having to work that way, but it does. These 3D or 4D or whatever these cameras are we have in our heads, how often am I just blown away by that alone? That. Lonali's radio station a few weeks ago, and one of the things that she asked me about, what do you think is some of the biggest challenges to great discipleship? And I, I do believe 
the, the two things besides obviously sin in our hearts. I mean, obviously we know the, 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 it's kind of like asking, you know, what's the answer in Sunday school? Jesus. Okay, we, we always say Jesus just in case, okay? Or, you know, but we go, what is the issue for most people? It's sin. It's our self-centered nature. I, we know that, and I say, I say we know it. We should, we should know that. But here's the deal. I, I just shared with them, I think in the day and age we live in, especially, I don't know if it's always this way, as the biggest issue is exhaustion and distraction. We're just exhausted by the distractions. The distractions we've talked about on the show is the fact that over the last year especially, we added a lot more things because we had to kind of adapt and shift and whether ministry, whether in our own personal lives, we added a lot of things, but we didn't drop anything off. We didn't remove anything. I think one of the biggest challenges that we have to understanding the heavens, our Father who art in heaven, one of the biggest challenges we have when we are distracted from seeing the awesomeness of God. Our God is an awesome God. Again, I don't sing, so we won't go any further. Romans 1.20. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. There's a whole sermon series in that passage of Scripture, okay? But we won't go there today. Matthew 6, 9 through 13. Jesus again responding to the disciples, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive our debts as we also forgiven as we've also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Our reminder from last week, if you were not here, if you hadn't had a chance to watch it, Jesus inviting us in with him to pray. Inviting us in and me being able to participate in this prayer based on one imputed righteousness that came from the cross of Jesus dying on the cross. That's the only way really I'm in on this. But also imparted righteousness by the power of the Holy Spirit living in me that literally it can be a part of who I am. It's both. So I can come to the throne boldly, Hebrews says, I can come to the throne boldly because I'm coming to Jesus and I'm coming based on what he has done and what is happening in me. And it's just awesome, like I said last week, just kind of awesome to think that me and Jesus are in this prayer together. That when we pray this in locker rooms, we pray this on the battlefield, we pray this somewhere, we are inviting Jesus into that to pray with us in that moment. Do you think that crosses the folks' mind most of the time?
But Dallas Willard, part of a quote from last week, prayer is a matter of explicitly sharing with God my concerns about what he too is concerned about in my life. And of course, he is concerned about my concerns, and in particular, and this is my favorite part of this quote, that my concerns should coincide with his. This is our walk together. Out of it, I pray. Father. Again, this is a revolutionary thought. Again, I just want to make sure that we don't get too far into this. I'm not going to do this every week, but I want to make sure we don't get too far into it since we just started this series last week that you don't miss these two pieces. And again, you can go back and listen to the message. But this part of Father is a revolutionary thought in this prayer. Now, the Hebrew, the Jewish people had a lot of prayers. But this prayer... Why is it different? Because the Old Testament Jews did not think of God as an intimate father. He was the Lord God Almighty. And he was to be feared. Philip Keller points out, he said that in all the Old Testament, God is referred to as father fewer than seven times, except indirectly and rather remotely. Yet in the Gospels, Jesus speaks of God as Father more than 70 times. The term Father implies the intimacy and love of a personal relationship with the creator of the universe. It should encourage us to draw near to God and expect to find mercy and compassion. However, As close as we can draw near to him, he is still totally separate, hallowed. If you're from the South, hallowed. I have no idea how how many of you learned it, hallowed be thy name. I don't know if you're from the South or not, but that's, (laughs) I don't know, it's hallowed. Hallowed be your name. What does it mean to hallow God's name? Well, the word hallow in the Greek, the Greek word is to set apart as holy, to consider holy, to treat as holy. Not just to consider it, but you treat it that way. And in the word consider here, I would say is way more than, oh, think about that. No, consider it and you engage. It's exalted when we pray this, as being worthy of complete, absolute, loving devotion. The best word we have in our modern language is reverence. When you begin your prayers, hallowed be your name, you're not rushing in into the presence and awareness of God to demand something, which we talked about last week, seems to be most of our prayers. We just rush in. If we're going to pray, it's a rush in. Let's get in. Let's get our prayers. Let's get our request in. Let's see. No, you come in. And the first thing, it's not about even being aware of your sins, which being in the presence of a holy God will do that. It is about making him the king of your heart on the throne of your life. So when you're praying this, it's way more to this prayer than just giving a nod to who God is. It is asking God to become a holy present in your life, and he is on the throne. Do you dare pray that? 
Again, I have a feeling when those in the locker room and wherever else we pray those, that is not what we're praying. It's just a guess. When we come to this part of the prayer, it should cause us pause. For us, the best we can in our little minds, the best we can. That's the reason why the heavens makes a difference. In other words, you just don't skip over heavens in heaven. You, you really pause when you begin to say, hallowed be your name. I pause right here and realize, yes, you draw me in, but man, you're totally separate. You're enormous. You are worthy of my praise. Worthship. Worship is worthship. You're telling God how much you love him, how much you praise him, how much he is exalted in your life. So we fly by that prayer, but hallowed be your name. And one of the things I think we've got to be real careful of when we come to this prayer is because, you know, Abba, Father, we talked about last week, is that if we're not careful, we can become almost so comfortable. It's just like Daddy, my big daddy in the sky, the big man in the sky. You know, have you ever watched parents try to be the cool parents? I was in youth ministry a long time. It is so devastating, I believe, to your children when you try to be their friend first. Devastating. I would tell those students, and I would just say them right up front, I'm not here to be your friend first. I'm not here to be your second father or first father first. For some of them, that became the situation over years, and that's okay. I've been putting your life in this office of being your pastor. And I have to make decisions from that office first. First. And consider the rest of it that you might be my friend later. If it's an outflow of it, great. With my kids, I didn't. I didn't your, my kids will tell you, I never tried to be their friend. If I became their great friends, that's a bonus. But that's not what we set out to do. Because I was not put in their life as their father to be that first. How devastating is I've watched parents buy alcohol for underage teenagers because they want to be the cool parents. Even for other people's kids. Devastating. If we begin to think of God as that good buddy we can call on when we need help. Even though he can be our buddy, if you will. Let me put that in quotation marks, if you will. But if we do it without considering his consuming holiness. And without fearing the consequences of what he could do. We don't like hearing about that. We don't, we don't like hearing about the fact that, like for my kids, I want my kids to fear me to some degree. Even today, I, I like it. Now, it can't, 
our whole relationship cannot be based on fear. Hopefully, it's only 3 or 4%. I have no idea how to make those up. I'm making up percentages here in a moment. But my point is, I hope there, there always needs to be that reverence of the position. There always needs to be that reverence of, of, of fear. But there also needs to be a consistency of the parent that that reverence is warranted. Live a life in such a way that's unexplainable apart from Christ. To pray this prayer is Jesus prayed in John 17, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that your Son may glorify you. I have glorified you on the earth. I manifested your name to the men whom you gave me. All of Jesus' life was to fulfill this prayer. To do the will of the Father. When we pray each day, hallowed be thy name, I think we're saying this, and I'm going to just read it. Father, your reputation, your name is at stake in me today. May I live in such a way as to be a credit to your person. May others see your character through my behavior and honor your name because of what they see of you in me. That small word becomes pretty large. May I remember growing up in Arkansas, I've shared this story before, I'm sure, but growing up there in that little town, and my dad owned a car business. And, you know, yeah, I, I, I call it the lost decade. As most of you know, I went 10 years away from God and, and, and really didn't want to. I tried to harden my heart, becoming different to God, and I did. But the one thing I wouldn't do growing up as a kid in 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, when I lived there, then I moved out, was I drank a lot of alcohol, a lot of alcohol. But you know, the one thing I would never do is smoke pot. Because in that little town growing up, or even in our county where my dad had influence and all across that county, the, around that, that county, if you smoked pot, you were a dopehead. But if you drank alcohol, it was just boys being boys. So the last thing I wanted to do to my parents was have a dopehead as their son. So I drank a lot of alcohol, no pot. Because I wanted to protect my parents' reputation. Now, obviously, there were other ways I could have helped with that too, okay, <laughs> that I did not do. But that was one thing I'm going, I don't want to hurt that. You know, you hear it in basketball, you hear it in sports all the time. You play for the name on the front, not the name on the back. Unless you're the Yankees, there is no name on the back. Part of the Yankees' tradition, you just don't have a name on the back. Only on the front. I'm not a Yankee fan. I'm just telling you. If God's reputation in the world is really important to you and I, I mean really, do you desire in your life to reveal to the world around you that you follow a holy God? 
Now, of course, it's going to play its way out in different ways. And you know that's more than being on the street corner yelling, turn or burn. Most of the time, you may not say anything. You live it out. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 31, 10, 31, so whether you eat, drink, or whatever you do, whatever you do, whatever you're doing, you do it all for the glory of God. David Timms talks about in his book, Living the Lord's Prayer, he said, if Christian spirituality neglects the pursuit of holiness, it fails entirely. If Christian spirituality neglects the pursuit of holiness, hallowed, set apart, it fails entirely. That's a big statement. Public or private? Rest, recreation, work, social engagement of any type. That includes driving down the interstate. To the books I read, to the TV shows I watch, to the movies I watch, to the social media platforms that I expose myself to. When it comes to the influencers that I choose and how I treat that, those people that I come in contact with, all those things matter to hallowed be your name. Is what I'm doing in the world advancing the reputation of God on earth? I have a feeling some of you wished you'd have picked a different Sunday. But that's what it says. Probably one of the most familiar things that we quote. Even before you were a Christian. Even if you were an athlete somewhere and you didn't have a care in the world about God or indifferent. You probably said this somewhere along the way. That's my guess. But this is what you were saying. Hallowed be your name. As a father, I'm known by a lot of names. As a, as a man, some of them more than others. I'm going to list some of them. I'm a preacher. I've actually been a travel agent, a bookkeeper, landscaper, car detailer, pool man, plumber, cleaner, protector, visionary, provider, coach, cook. No, just kidding on that one. That, that's not true. Those who know my family know that's not true. Comedian, <laughs> disciplinarian. Any amens? Amen. Uh, the angry one, the frustrated one, the overwhelmed one. Anybody here ever been known by those? Each one tells a little bit about me. Elmer Towns in his book, when talks about the names of God, I thought this was just interesting as I was doing my study. I don't have it up on the screen, so just if you would listen to talking about praying the Lord's Prayer for spiritual breakthrough. I just thought this was interesting how the Jews came to this. He said, in Jesus' times, in Jesus' time, the Jews so reverenced the name of God that they would not say the sacred name Yahweh because it was so holy. They took the consonants out of the name Yahweh and the vowels out of the term Adonai 
put them together and formed a new word the King James translators called Jehovah. When devout Jews came to the word Yahweh, they would say Adonai so they would not dishonor God's real name by saying it. When Jewish scholars copied the scriptures, they selected a new pen with which to write God's name so they would not dishonor God by writing his name with a pen that had been used to write other words. After using the new pen to write God's name, they broke it so it could never be used again. That's reverence. Now you can do all that and still miss God. Right? (laughs) You can do all that and still miss God. When we understand that God's names, and he has many names, when his names reveal parts of his character, that God wants to be relational to us, and when we know his name, and that's the reason I love I know last week we did, dedicated the babies and we talk about their names. It tells a piece of the story. But when we know God's names and we hear his names in different ways, it tells us a little bit about his character. Throughout Scripture, he reveals himself through so many different names. Elohim. The mighty creator, Adonai, master our Lord, El Shaddai, almighty God, our all-sufficient supply, the store of powers and gifts and blessings, Adonai, El Shaddai, and I, as a new Christian, Amy Grant's song, El Shaddai, came out. I didn't understand Hebrew. I barely understood English being from South Arkansas, but when I heard that song, I thought they said, I thought she was saying, else you die. Else you die. I was so relieved to find out it meant provider. Jehovah, Jehovah Jireh, there's a song right now called Jireh, my provider, and just listen to that over and over. Jehovah Rohi, the Lord is my shepherd, he is my friend, he's my companion. Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. Jehovah Shalom, who brings peace really where there is no strife, there is no conflict. There is no conflict between you and him, there is no conflict between you and others. To be reconciled. But there is no strife or conflict. Jehovah Shalom. Yesterday I went to a memorial service. A man I have known of for 20-something years, but a man I did not know. And some, I do know his wife. And it's amazing at a memorial service when you begin to hear the stories. And you see a man who you thought was extremely quiet, extremely reserved. And you find out there are so many other parts to him. And you go, I think I'd have liked hanging out with this guy. From practical jokes to things that he did for his kids, to things that he did for his wife. Because if you don't walk things out with 
If you don't sit in the presence and journey with, you don't know pieces. One reason I think is a big challenge for many of us as we follow Christ or want to is that I think we run from battles. If I had the ladder out here today, we run from those moments where God begins to stretch us, where we have to trust him. We literally have to trust him. We're going to find out another aspect of God. We're going to find out that God really heals, that God does provide. He is Jehovah Jireh. He does provide. We're going to find that out, but we're not willing to go there. We either run from it, somebody else shields us from it, because they want to step in and fix it, When God is wanting to do a great work, that I get a chance to know another aspect of God here. I get to trust God right there. I now know him personally right there. And we run from it, and we don't even know that we're running from it. But if we don't trust him, and we don't have battles, so many of us want to run from battles, and I love what McManus says about what's the reward for winning a great battle. It's a greater battle because you know now you trust God there, so now you can go on to the next thing. You dealt with that fear yesterday. Now we're on to the next thing. But if you don't know God as El Shaddai and you don't know God as Adonai, if you don't know God there, you will be very limited in what we pray here. Hallowed be thy name. Because you don't know him. There are certain parts of me, I've said this to teenagers years ago. There are certain things you guys will never know, experience with me, that my own children get to. Because I literally am their earthly father. And I wanted them to know me in a different way than all the... I didn't want my kids to go. They were just another kid in the youth group, even though at times, obviously, the rules were the same. But I wanted them to always know there was a different relationship. Some of my kids rebelled. Two of them did. Two of them faked it well, okay? Covered it well. Two of them didn't fake it, covered it very well, Okay? But what I know is there are different things that your children know about you because we've been in circumstances where they know unconditional love greater than maybe another one does. All four of them would get it. But because of them, their rebellious circumstances and heart, they knew it differently. And it doesn't make us any closer. They just know a different aspect at a different level. There are parts of God you know about God that I don't know to some degree. At least in not that depth. Why do we run from battles? Why do we run from hard things? What if, what if, what if, what if God was allowing some of these circumstances or causes some of them? I don't know how God does all that in his economy because we will know him deeper. What if? What if that very thing that you keep trying to run from and God take it away, take it away, take it away, and he may... But he may say if he 
talk to us audibly. I'm not saying he wouldn't. But he may say, I need you to go through it, not for me to remove it. Because if we go through it, and you walk in stride with me, or actually walk behind me, but walk in stride with me, you will know me differently. There will be another aspect of me you didn't know before. I've had to pray prayers. God, I'll just keep showing up. I'm just going to keep showing up every day. That's all I got. I have anything else. But I'm going to keep showing up. I'm going to leave all of them in your hands. That's all I got right now to offer. But it caused me to know God differently. Hallowed. In my life today, the creator of the cosmos, the enormity of who you are and how close you are as my breath. Lord, I pray today that I protect your name. And that because of who I'm becoming, not all the way there, that's for sure, but who I've become and who I'm becoming, your name will be glorified in the earth. I'm not really sure what your great dream is for life. That includes me sometimes. I get a little confused. But you will never, ever have a greater honor or a greater dream than to say, I represent the King of Kings. Every day that I get up, I am his ambassador. And we are called to be ambassadors. It's scriptural. And wherever I go representing the kingdom, it's not my wants and desires. I represent the desires. Of, I live out the desires of the one I represent. The reason why, when I go back to Dillard's statement that any my concerns should coincide with his. Amen? You stand with me? Stu, won't you guys come on down? Let's close in a worship song. Hope you'll stick around, but I realize, again, not everybody's comfortable right now doing or dinner on the grounds the way we do it. It will be in one room, close quarters. So if you're not comfortable there at this point, because I have no guarantees of vaccinations or anything else. <laughs> so I'm just saying. We would love to have you otherwise if you're comfortable there. And we will come out, like I said, go through that east door. Because it is part of our rhythm here also. We believe when God's people come together sharing a meal, something happens. It's different. It's intentional. But our intention is that somehow or another advances the kingdom. That's what we're trying to do. So I hope you plan on sticking around for that. I think you'll enjoy it if you feel comfortable doing that. Our Father, Join with me, who art in heaven, 
hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven.